Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Fight, Winning the Battles That Matter the Most. We hope it's a blessing to you. past four weeks, we have been investigating the life of an individual named Samson. We find his story in the Old Testament book of Judges, and one of the things we've discovered from his life, one of the main themes that kind of falls out of his story, is that he's an individual who broke character. He's an individual who lost sight of what God wanted him to accomplish And that landed him in a lot of trouble. We've also learned from Samson that he's a strong man with a weak will. Which is kind of a dangerous combination. He was an incredibly physically strong man, gifted by God that way. But yet he had a weak will and we find him often taking his eyes off of God. And whenever that happened, he was just in trouble. This is the theme of Samson's life. Breaking character, taking eyes off of God, physically strong, but a weak will. And today we're going to think through, is he able to stand up and rise again? Is there a good day for Samson in the middle of all of this trouble? So here's what I want to accomplish today. Two things. I want to think about our steps and our choices and where are they taking us? So even right now, as we begin our conversation, I want you to be thinking about that in your life, your steps, your choices. Where are they directing you? Where are they taking you right now? So we're going to talk about steps, and then after that, I want to look to the final event in the life of Samson. And spoiler alert, it ends well, okay? I just want you to know that up front, which is good news for Samson. It's also good news for us. It ends well. But as we move through our time and our story today, it's not going to feel that way. It's not going to feel like it's going to end well, but it actually does. And again, that is good news for everybody. So here's our big idea for today. I'd encourage you to write this down. Your steps are moving you toward God or away from him. Your steps, your choices right now, whatever that looks like for you, they are either moving you toward God or away from Him. So again, I want everybody in the room, from our middle and high school students all the way on up to our oldest attenders, to be thinking about your choices and your steps right now because we're going to think about winning another battle that matters, a battle that is very important and vital to all of us, And that is this fight, this battle with spiritual drift. So I want to invite you to join me in the ring one more time. This is the final week of fight. Every week we have been talking about battles that are worthy of our time and our attention. I want to invite you into the ring. Let's put the gloves on one more time and just go a few rounds with spiritual drift because this is actually very important for us. Now, I don't think we think about that that much, though. We don't. I want you to hear this. Everybody look up here for just a moment. Spiritual drift is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And that's why we're giving time and attention to it, 
based on what we discover in the life of Samson. So let me kind of define spiritual drift here. I think it looks like this. It's anything that causes you to take steps away from honoring God with your life. Anything you can throw into that definition that just causes you to take steps away from honoring God with your life. And again, often we don't think about this, but spiritual drift, those things that take us away from honoring God with our lives, with what we say and what we do, this is very dangerous. You know, you start out over here sometimes where you're excited about pleasing God and honoring Him and putting a smile on His face. And maybe you can remember a day or a time or a season of your life where that's how you felt. Like, man, I'm just ready to honor God and I want to make Him happy and I want to please Him. And those are normally good spiritual moments for us. But if we're not careful, if we don't get in the ring and go a few rounds with spiritual drift, here's what often takes place. And we may not even realize it's happening. And this is the danger of spiritual drift. Again, we're right here. We're ready to honor God. We're ready to please Him. But then all of a sudden, maybe I read something in Scripture that is convicting and challenging and it pokes me. And I decide that I don't like that and I don't necessarily agree with that. And I'll save following through on what God wants for me for another day. And all of a sudden we take a couple of steps and the drift begins. Or maybe we find ourselves in a season where we are lazy with our spiritual disciplines like spending time in God's word on Monday through Saturday. And what is God trying to say to me? And having great conversations with God through prayer and worshiping corporately in community with other people who can lift us up and hold us accountable. And we just get kind of lazy with that. And all of a sudden, we begin to take a few more steps and the spiritual drift is growing. Or or maybe it looks like this. Maybe we get tired of other people talking to us and challenging us when they see a weakness in our life. And they love us enough, they care about us enough to confront and to challenge and say, hey, you might want to think about this, you might want to adjust this, or it's time to make a change over here. And we get really annoyed with that because the drift has begun and we say no to them and we push away and we isolate and all of a sudden we find ourselves way over here. Small steps that add up to a lot of drift and take us far from God. It's a really serious thing. Again, once over here, excited about honoring God and wanting to please Him and make Him smile, but then all of these steps that just kind of cause us to drift. This is exactly what happened to Samson, and there is so much that we can learn from his life and his story so that we can avoid this spiritual drift in our lives. I think spiritual drift, here's what it does. It opens the door to selfishness, which is what we talked about in week one. That was the very first week of our series, and we looked at Samson, and he had so much going for him. I mean, really gifted by God, but yet he got selfish, and the drift began. Spiritual drift also opens the door to temptation. Great temptation that can potentially take us far from God. And that's what we talked about in week two. 
And we've got to be ready to go a few rounds with temptation and say no to the things that we want to say yes to that can cause us to drift. I think spiritual drift also opens the door to angry responses with the people that we love the most, and we talked about that last week. And so, in a real sense, spiritual drift is underneath all of these things that we need to fight. And it would appear, it would appear with just a casual glance into the life of this Old Testament character, that if we could get this area of spiritual drift right, life would be better. It would be a whole lot better. And we generally want a better life, don't we? You can agree with that because I think most of us want a better life. Well, I think fighting spiritual drift really gives us the opportunity to chase that. So let's think about this. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Judges chapter 16. And this is the concluding chapter on the life and the story of Samson. The book of Judges is right after the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. And so if you're flipping through and you find Joshua, keep turning to the right. And eventually you'll bump into Judges and then chapter 16. When we left our story last week, kind of left everybody hanging with some things that Samson did. And what we talked about is that he was really angry. This is what we discussed last week. He was really angry, angry at God, angry with himself, angry at the people around him. He was angry at his enemies, the Philistines. He's just a really angry individual. But yet there's this moment, after all of the anger and all of the events that transpired there, there's this moment where he kind of looks up at God. Now remember, one of his greatest problems is that he kept taking his eyes off of God. Which, by the way, that's not just his greatest problem, that's also our greatest problem as well, if we're honest with ourselves. But that's what Samson did. He took his eyes off of God and he became really angry. But he has this moment, and this is where we ended last week, where he kind of looks up and he acknowledges God and he asks God for something. He wanted water to drink and God actually provided. And there is this tender moment where you wonder, is this where Samson turns his life around and really begins chasing after God again? Is this where it happens? And I ask the question, how long does that last? Where Samson has this great moment looking up at God and God responds, how long does all of that last? All right? That takes us to chapter 16 and verse 1, so after that moment where he looks up at God, here's what happens. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Wow. Now, I don't think that's going to make anybody's list of wise choices to make, all right? I just don't think that's going to happen. Like, you know, if you want to get closer to God, try this. This may work. I don't think anybody's going to say that, but yet this is exactly what Samson does. After that great moment, looking up at God, and you have this hope for him, he travels to Gaza, and he chases something that he shouldn't have been chasing. Just one little verse, but really some powerful statements in there, and it gives us some insight into what Samson is going through. Let's think about Gaza for just a moment. Gaza is one of the five ancient Philistine cities. 
They had these five royal cities, and that's where they ruled from, and that's where a lot of activity took place. Gaza is one of these five ancient cities, along with Ashkelon, Ashdod, Ekron, and Gath. Together, these five royal cities are known as the Pentapolis, or Penta, which means five. So there's these five ancient Philistine royal cities. Now, you have to remember, as we walk through our story, the Philistines are the great enemy of God. They hate God. They hate God's people and everything that they stand for and everything that they believe. And they hate Samson. They absolutely hate him because he's been a great thorn in their flesh. And for whatever reason, Samson kind of loses his mind for a little bit and travels to a royal city where there are many individuals who hate him and hate his God. And there he sees a prostitute. Scholars tell us that that trip from where Samson lived to Gaza would have approximately been 25 miles. So 25 miles separate Samson and this girl. We need to ask two questions as we think about where we are in the story right now. First question is, what was Samson supposed to be doing? We need to know this. And then secondly, what is he actually doing? So let's go to the first question. What was Samson supposed to be doing? Remember, he is a judge. He is a leader. He is a military hero of sorts, rescuing his people. What he should have been doing as a good judge is listening to the issues and the complaints of the Israelite people and rendering fair judgments. That's what he should have been doing. So that's the first question. The second question is, what was he actually doing? Well, we've already read it. What we discover him actually doing is he's traveling to the heart of the enemy territory and he's looking for something he shouldn't have been looking for. Now, it has been estimated. I was reading one author who kind of factored in the distance between where Samson lived and Gaza. And he factored that if Samson were walking to Gaza to find this girl, that he would have taken approximately 56,250 steps. That's how many steps it would have taken for Samson to get from here to there. Now think about that. He has 56,250 steps to turn around and go back the other way. He has 56,250 steps to say, maybe this isn't a great idea. Maybe this isn't going to help me. Maybe this isn't going to help me live out my calling. Maybe this isn't going to serve my people in the best possible way. Maybe this isn't going to honor God. He has all kinds of time and steps to turn back, but yet he doesn't do it. A couple of weeks ago, when we fought the battle of temptation... We said Samson had a mantra when it came to temptation. He said, I want it, I deserve it, and I feel I can handle it. That's what he said over and over again, but yet what we discovered is that what he wanted, he really didn't need, and it wasn't good for him, and he really couldn't handle it at all. Yet he kept throwing this out there, and I think we see him doing that once again. And this is spiritual drift. Samson, maybe having that moment where he looks up and he acknowledges God and he's thanking him and God provides, and then 56,250 steps later, 
He's doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. Drift. Steps away. What about your steps? Are they moving you toward God? Or are they moving you away from God? See, here's the thing about sin. It will cost you a lot more than what you want to pay, and it will take you further than what you want to go. That's just what sin does. It costs a lot more than what you want to pay and takes you much further than what you want to go. And this happens to Samson. Let's jump back into the story. Chapter 16, verse 2. It says, word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza, his enemies, they hated him. They gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, here's what we're going to do, or we're just going to kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. They couldn't stop him. He's a strong guy. Verse 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. <laughs> right? Like when you see that name, you have to kind of sing it. And I'm sure that's what he did. And again, he saw Delilah and he wanted her and felt he deserved her and he could handle all of this. And so he sees this woman, this Delilah. She lived in the valley of Sorek. Sorek is a Hebrew word, which means vine. We don't know exactly where this valley would have been located, but it was somewhere between where Samson lived and these ancient royal cities of Philistine, these Philistine ancient cities. Somewhere in between, not exactly sure. She's in the valley of Sorak, and they get together. Verse 5, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So they made a deal with Delilah. And I'm not going to read verses 6 through 14, but what we find there is that Samson tells Delilah three different ways that he can be tied up and bound, and he won't be able to escape. He would fall asleep. She would have him bound that way. She would call and say, Samson, the Philistines are here. And thinking she's about to get all of her money, and he would break through everything and conquer the Philistines. And this happened three different times. Well, you know she's not pleased with this. Because here's what we read in verse 15. Then Delilah pouted. (laughs) How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now. And you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Right? Like we could picture this, can't we? Like she's just getting after it. Now, you would think at some point Samson would realize the clue phone is ringing, right? Because this has happened to him before. We already read about this. Another girl already did this to him. So you'd think he would get it, but her nagging gets to him. Verse 17, finally Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, My strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. 
Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Now, I want to pause there for just a moment, because do you remember? Samson had a Nazarite vow. He took these vows. It was a part of his life. It was a part of who he was. And there were three different parts to this vow. One of the parts said, don't touch anything dead. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we discovered Samson did that. So he can check that off, broke that vow. The next vow says, don't get drunk. And the reality is, he really wasn't supposed to touch alcohol at all. But we discovered when he was about to get married at one point, he threw a wild bachelor party. And many scholars believe it's very likely that he had strong drinks. So you can kind of check that off. He broke that vow. There's only one vow left. He's hanging on to it. And the vow is, your hair, you know, don't cut it. Don't do that. But it happens. Verse 20. And she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, well, I will do as before and shake myself free. But here's a really significant line in Scripture, and I would encourage you to underline it, highlight it, because this is frightening. He didn't realize the Lord had left him. Spiritual drift. Verse 21. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Grinding grain by hand was really one of the lowest forms of slave labor in this culture. It would have been absolutely humiliating for a military champion, a hero, a judge of Israel to be doing that kind of work. But yet the Philistines captured him because he broke his vows. They took a sight and they forced him into the worst kind of labor. Samson is reduced to a joke. It's a laughingstock. And I, I want you to hear this because here's what happened to Samson. And this is so valuable, I think, to understand when we dive into this story. And that is the path to pain, destruction, and irrelevance begins with one step. One step. The path to pain and destruction and irrelevance begins with one step. It happened to Samson, and this stuff still happens to us. The path to pain, destruction, and irrelevance, it begins with one step. One step leads to multiple steps. Multiple steps invite secrecy into our lives. When secrecy invades, we ignore. We ignore accountability. We just get rid of it. And when accountability is gone, we miss all of the warning signs. And missed warning signs leads to more steps that take us far from God. And this is the path that Samson traveled. And that path to pain, destruction, and irrelevance for him began with a single step. I want to come back to the story of Samson in in just a moment, but before we conclude and give some good news about his life, I want to share two takeaways. So please write this down. I think it's helpful. Here's the first takeaway, 
And that is ask the question, where am I stepping away from God? Like everybody should think through this today, right now. Where am I stepping away from God? Maybe it's been a long time since you've considered this or asked that question. But right now, where I stand with what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, the choices and the steps that I'm taking, where am I stepping away from God? I think it's fair to say nobody wakes up and says, you know, today is the day that I want to destroy my life. Today is the day I'd like to throw everything away that I care about and I have worked for. I just want to ruin everything today. Nobody says that. I don't believe Samson communicated that. But yet it happened to him and it happens to us. And it happens because of spiritual drift and the steps that we take. Again, 56,250 steps. Samson had the opportunity to turn it around, and he didn't do that. And so I think we've got to ask ourselves, where am I stepping away from God? This may be one of the greatest questions you ever ask yourself. Because it may just turn things around a little bit. and cause you to look up at God and move in a better direction. Where am I stepping away from God? Here's the second takeaway. Don't let the past... Eat your future. Or don't let the past and what is sitting there and what has happened there destroy your future. Here's what we know about Samson. He he was a strong man with a weak will. He broke all of his vows. He took his eyes off of God. He broke character. And he really didn't care about what was happening around him. He saw things he wanted them and he felt he deserved it. And so he just went all out for what he desired. And of course it lands him in a very sad place. One would think, at least this is how I think, that Samson would just kind of give up at this point. There's a lot of regrets in his life. And you would think that he would just give up and allow the pain of the past to absolutely overwhelm him and destroy him. But that's not what he does. There's a better ending here. But I think we've got to ask ourselves this question. Do we feel the same way sometimes? About the past and something that's back there? And it's happened and it hurts and maybe there's some regret over that. And maybe other people know about it. Maybe no one knows, but you know and God knows and you've been carrying around this burden, this pain, this misery on your back for a long time and you sense that it is destroying your future. What's happened in the past back there is just eating your future and it can't be undone. And while it's true that it can't be undone, here's what can happen. Repentance. It's kind of an old-fashioned word, but it's actually a beautiful word and it's the answer. It's the answer to all regrets and pain and misery in the past that we allow to eat our future. It is the answer. And so I want to read some words to you from 1 John chapter 1. And I want them just to fall into your heart and into your mind because these are from a loving God that says this about our past. He says, if we confess our sins to him, our father, he Here's what he will do. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, will you say this word with me? 
All. Say it again. All. See, this is the beauty of our loving Heavenly Father, that even with pain and regret and failure and sin, He says, look, if you come to me, if you do this, if you are willing to confess, then I will be faithful and I will be just and I will forgive and cleanse you from all wickedness. I believe Samson did this. I believe while he was performing the lowest kind of slave labor where he was humiliated and had lost his sight and his sense of calling, that he acknowledges God as his hero, he repents, and he's given one more opportunity. Think about this for a moment. Even in our failures, God can accomplish his purposes. Right? Like, that's amazing. Even with your failures, even with my failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. He is that good. He's that good. And that should cause you to smile a little bit because he is that loving to us. Well, the closing chapter of Samson's life points to him living out his calling. Do you remember his calling? What God asked him to do? We find it in Judges chapter 13. For he, Samson, will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. That's his calling. That's what God wanted for him. A military hero and a champion. And it doesn't look good, does it? No, it doesn't. But let's discover what happens here. Verse 23. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. And Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. And the closing words of Samson's life in Judges chapter 16 helps us to know that he lived out his calling. Pretty? Definitely not. Not a pretty story. It's actually a very disturbing story. It's hard to understand because there is so much killing and gore and death and ickiness. But yet in this, we see God lifting up someone who looks to him one more time. And all of those steps away from God, erased, gone. And Samson has a but God kind of moment. His story, it's not pretty. But here's the reality. Most of our stories aren't very pretty either, are they? There's sin and loss and pain and hurt. And all of that adds up to something that is less than beautiful, but if there's anything we discover and learn and can take away from the story of Samson, it's that he's able to 
picture and pick up all of this stuff and grab it and send us out with a but God showed up kind of moment. So I don't know what that may look like for you. But perhaps it sounds something like this where we get the chance with God to say, you know, for years I was a compulsive liar. But then God. Or for years I was addicted. But then God. For years I was trapped by pornography. But then God. For years I was kind of lukewarm in my faith. But then God did something. For years I was comfortable in my relationship with God because my life was okay, but then God showed up and stirred. For years I had a lack of urgency for those who don't know God or are far from Him, but then God changed that. For years I mismanaged money, but then God. For years I didn't lead my family anywhere, but then God. But then God. But then God. What's your but then God story? Want to go back to our big idea? Your steps, your choices. Where are they taking you? As you think about your life and your story right now, your steps, are they moving you toward God or away from Him? Do you have the gloves on? And are you ready to go a few rounds with spiritual drift? If we do, I believe we'll have a but-then-God kind of story. Father, we are so thankful for this story that has been captured for us. Sometimes you look at the life of Samson, and boy, it's a mess. He's just all over the place. Seems like he's following you, but then there are these moments where he, he turns away. And there's things that he wants that he feels he deserves and he can handle, but yet it just turns into a great disaster. And this is somewhat of a tragic story. But uniquely, I think you used him and his desire to look up to you to help him live out his calling. God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us right now to just commit to saying, we're going to get in the ring and we're going to put on the gloves and we're going to fight spiritual drift because it is dangerous. And if we don't do that, it opens the door to selfishness and angry responses and temptation and a host of other emotions and problems and sins. And God, if we're going to follow you and if we're going to honor you, we have to be willing to fight this. And so God, wherever we are today, if we're really close to you, and we feel like we're making you happy, that's great. God, help us to know that relationships don't stand still. If we don't keep pursuing you and keep fighting spiritual drift, we'll move in the opposite direction. God, I believe some of us today, though, are in that drift category. And maybe we've started to take some initial steps away from you. Or God, maybe we've taken a lot of steps. And we're here And you're speaking to us through the life of Samson. God, I pray that you would just challenge all those who are drifting to say, I've got to stop this today. And I've got to turn my attention and look back up to God 
and change this into a but-then-God kind of story. God, help us to make some great choices now to fight, fight the battles that matter like spiritual drift. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com and click online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Please reach out to us at prayer at valleypointchurch.com.